You are listening to Kajib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is series number six, episode 13 for Tuesday, February the 6th, 2024. JJ Sefton here, along with my good friend, co-blogger, co-host, uh, CBD. CBD, good morning, sir. Good morning. It's a lovely, uh, warm winter day here in northern New Jersey. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that we haven't had lots and lots of snow. As everyone knows, I love snow, but uh, I'll take the bright sunshine any day. Absolutely. Well, the snow is seems to the snow that we had, the massive dump that we had in the sub-zero weather has uh, abated. And I think we're uh, finally on a path towards some some springtime here in uh, beautiful uh, the upper Midwest of southern Wisconsin. But anyway, enough of this frivolity. Uh, lots of things happening. And um, the two main things, first of all, we'll start off this horrible, disgusting so-called border bill security thing. Uh, mercifully, has uh, seemingly, at least for the moment, died. Uh, and, and thank goodness for that. I know uh, Speaker Mike Johnson in the House called it dead on arrival, but supposedly uh, in the Senate where Mitch McChaikon was expecting to ram it through, all of a sudden he's gotten more resistance than he can either bribe his way out of or threaten his way out of uh, with withholding campaign funds. So for the moment, it seems to have been tabled. And thank goodness for that. And it, and it's patently offensive, um, the idea that uh, there's some minimum level of of invasion that the United States should tolerate is disgusting. Um, one person crossing the border illegally is one person too many. And I think that, that, that that's a reasonable expectation on the part of the American people. The, the federal government has, has given up obviously. Um, and part of that of course is driven by the, the Democrat junta's desire to flood the, the United States with these illegals, these uh, mestizos and um, you know four foot tall retards, who uh, are just you know they just suck up the welfare state, uh, do nothing but uh, but vote Democrat, and will guarantee a a hundred year reign on the part of the Democrat junta. Uh, of course, that's bad for the vast majority of Americans. Uh, it's probably an existential threat to the United States, but that's okay. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's worse than I mean, if it was only just a bunch of illegal peasantry uh, sucking our treasury dry and bringing disease and crime, that would be bad enough. But now we have an open border where we now know that many, many thousands of, of uh, unknown uh, military age males from China, as well as from the Middle East, the bringers of the religion of peace are coming into our borders and that is definitely a, a recipe for, for disaster. But beyond that, CBD, this, this insult is, is the junta and, and the government has abrogated its oath to protect our borders and to defend our country and defend the citizenry. To me, this is this is treason as straight up. I mean, you to do this intentionally uh, is is absolute treason. And, and we know what the punishment of that would be in a sane world. But but beyond that, uh, this bill was is totally superfluous it did not do anything all it did was was 370 pages of things that basically said we'll secure the border after we let in 8500 people a day and then maybe we'll let them go out oh, it's, oh, it's chock full of bullshit and nonsense if you really wanted to pass a bill which you don't need because joey spongebrain shits pants all he has to do is 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 follow his constitutional oath by securing the border it's within his power right now to do so you pass a one-page bill with two sentences Thou shalt repeal Hart Seller. Thou shalt repeal Simpson Mazzoli. Thou shalt deport every illegal alien in the country and cut them off. P. 
period, end of story. That's actually three sentences, but it's better than 370 pages. Yeah, this is just, this is madness. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, when I say that uh, they, they have given up, that's actually not true. This is exactly what they want, as you've just pointed out. Um, it, it, this the, the border could be secured um, for the most part in a matter of months. Um, the uh, Border Patrol is competent. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it, but they have no support from Washington. Um, to, sh- to shut down the border completely will probably take several years. Obviously, we need a wall. Um, obviously, we need to to do something about the encroachment across the border by the cartels. But but the reality is that this is a manageable problem with any sort of pro-American government in Washington. And it it speaks volumes that we have such a problem on the border because it's obvious that we do not have a pro-American government in Washington. Bingo. And and here's the thing. It's even doing those things, you could easily you can have self-deportation tomorrow. All you have to do is disincentivize people from crossing the border in the first place, cut them off from welfare, cut them off from all the benefits. And above, with with that, really punish. And I mean, with serious criminal offensive, a federal prison, anybody, any corporation, any company, anyone who hires illegal aliens uh, and knowingly hires them. Uh, to, to, to fill jobs that, quote unquote, the jobs that Americans won't do. And you will watch how fast, however many millions of people go back from whence they came. I mean, it's just it's it is as simple as that. And people say, well, and I love how liberals always say it's not as simple as you say it is. I'm saying exactly what it I is. I know that's, it's exactly as simple as we say it is. Right. I mean, look at this way. I mean, and here's a country that I absolutely is a horrendous country. Look at Pakistan. Pakistan is deporting and has deported half a million people in the last six months and is continuing to do so from Afghanistan and sending them back over to Afghanistan. And if the frickin' Pakistanis can do it, certainly we can do it. We just do not, not we, but I mean, this government refuses to do it and does not want to do it for all the reasons that we stated. Well, look, I mean, take a look at, at Japan. You know, it's a first world country. They decided long ago that Japan is for the Japanese. Now, they have structural problems that are quite, quite significant. Uh, demographically, they are in a huge amount of trouble. But uh, they don't have illegal immigration. And how do they manage that? Now, yes, it's an island or it's a series of islands. I get that. It's easier to to prevent illegal immigration in Japan. But but the idea that a, uh, a Japanese restaurant in Tokyo is going to hire uh, mestizos and and um, you know Afghan immigrants, uh, illegal immigrants to wash their dishes dishes is a joke. They simply don't do it. They protect their culture. They protect their country. Absolutely. And look, we did this before 1965. I, I alluded to what's known as the Hart Seller Act, which destroyed our immigration system, and it was written mostly by that asshole Ted Kennedy. Hey, he rot in hell. Actually, hell. I think he's and, rotting in hell already. So uh, uh, I don't think my sentiment is going to have any effect on uh, uh, on Ted Kennedy's location. No, as as one of the worst, probably one of the worst people ever in power. You can argue in this in this in this uh, government in this country uh, in our government. Ah, LBJ <laughs> has entered the conversation. Right there, you go. But but I'm saying, to, well, that was the twin torpedoes. It was yep. uh, it was Hart Seller and the and the and the war on poverty, great society. When he decided, and they decided to literally st- to to stop the immigration controls that kept third world people from just coming in here willy nilly without any sort of restraint. Uh, that's what led to the spiral that we see now. Before that, you had successive administrations, whether whoever it was between Roosevelt and Truman and uh, and Eisenhower and so on and so forth, and, and even JFK, 
When they wanted to deport people, they deported them. Under Truman, I believe he deported a couple of million people. And back then, remember, the U.S. population was maybe, you know, half of what it was today. And they did it, and there was no squawking, no beefs, no nothing. And when people came to this country, you had to not be an indigent. You had to be able to be self-sufficient. You couldn't have any diseases and any of these things. And you had to, what's the word? Assimilate. There was no bilingualism. There was none of this crap. And you weren't on the welfare rolls. And if you couldn't manage that, you were not allowed in. And that assured that America was for Americans. I know that sounds like a racist statement, but it isn't. Because if you come here wanting to be American, guess what, my friend? I will open you with open arms because you will be an American if you embrace my values and my culture. Absolutely. Listen, listen, go back to the 50s uh, under, under Eisenhower. There was a, a program called Operation Wetback. Now, can you guess what Operation Wetback did? Send people back to Mexico. You're here illegally. Sorry, you're going back. And it's simple and it worked. And the, the idea that, that, that America is for people other than Americans, as you just pointed out, is ridiculous. You want to come here and become an American? Yes, I, I too will welcome you with open arms, especially if you're some hot Estonian model. But that, well, that's, that's something different. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that, that that's it. I mean, again, people say, well, we're a land of immigrants. Bullshit. We're not a land of immigrants. We're a land of citizens. Yeah. And we as citizens set up the rules for which you can join our club. And if you cannot pass these minimal rules for joining our club, then you are not allowed in, period. Yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to prevent you from practicing your religion or observing holidays in the way that you want to observe them or speak your own language you know, freely when you want to speak it. More power to you. That's wonderful. But you are not going to make Spanish a legitimate de facto language. Uh, you are not going to do these things that upset our culture and threaten our culture. And that's see, that's you know, that's, that's the thing. The threat to our culture is significant, and 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 you have to look no farther than across the pond to Great Britain. Um, a, a member of Parliament, a man named Mike Freer, uh, who is he represents a uh, an area in. Um, in England that is um, is quite Jewish, let's put it that way. And he is resigning from, from Parliament because he cannot be protected because he has gotten so many threats, credible threats from the Islamists that England has welcomed into their into its country that he has to leave Parliament. He is afraid for his life and for his family's lives. And just think about that, that that the United Kingdom, a once great power in this in this world, a once great culture, has degraded itself so much simply by opening its borders to people who want to do it harm. And that is what we are doing today, and that is what we are going to get tomorrow. Absolutely. We have this 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 madness has to stop. And it's not just as we'd said, you know, the the uh, illegal or you know illiterate peasantry who doesn't don't even speak Spanish properly let alone will we'll ever learn English, we are opening our borders to very, very dangerous people. And this is even in legal immigration, I should say, in the wake of 9-11. What did W do? Instead of declaring war on Islam, Islamic terrorism, he declared Islam a religion of peace, and he opened our borders to a massive waves of, of legal Muslim immigration about people who do not want to assimilate into this country and in point of fact want to you know overthrow this country either openly or by stealth which is known as takia uh, you lie about your intentions and then little by little you have a mass a, a, a majority in wherever you are and voila you have an instant islamic republic 
Right now it's in places like uh, Minneapolis and Dearborn, Michigan, but soon it'll be the entire country. And that is what their aim is. And that's what they're aiming for. It's happening in Sweden. It's happening in Germany. It's happening in England. And sooner or later, unless we stop this, it's going to happen Listen, here. It's happening in New York City and in Jersey City and in Patterson and all sorts of places other than the obvious. And uh, the thing is that as we let these people in, this is what we get. This is There's nothing complicated about it. But speaking about the lying about one's intentions, um, let's move to Iran, which is not lying about its intentions. And its intentions, the, the government of Iran has made clear over the last 40 years that its intention is the destruction of Israel and then the destruction of America. And they apparently are their 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 ramp up time to enough fissionable material for an atomic bomb is now zero. It's called the breakout time. And that's taking their enriched uranium that they have 60 percent enriched uranium, moving it up to 90 percent. And that's easy. Uh, They have the centrifuges. They have the technology. They have all the stuff they need to to create a significant quantity of weapon grade uranium. And isn't that a good thing for America and for Israel? Because that is what the Biden Obama junta has been shooting for for the last 15 years. And they got it. Oh, my God. And, and you know, just and it, not to to uh, to repeat what we talked about with the border. Um, there was a story out of New York about this policeman who got the shit beat out of him by four Venezuelan gang members. And they were let off scot free with, you know, with not even a slap on the wrist by this Alvin Bragg bastard. And guess what Venezuela is? Venezuela is very, very tightly allied with Iran. Yep. And with an open border, Venezuela is very close to our border. And forget about putting that crap on a missile and aiming it at Tel Aviv. My fear is that the Iranians will put it on a mule, send it across the Rio Grande, and someone's going to explode a dirty bomb in our country. Yeah, and mess us I, up. you know, honestly, I, mean, I, don't, I honestly don't think that's that's going to happen. Um, the the yeah. material is valuable enough that they can they can build they can build a rudimentary atomic device, put it into a forty foot shipping container, and and get it into one of our ports without much trouble at all. Um, they are a technologically uh, advanced society and i think that a dirty bomb while while it's not outside of the realm of possibility i agree completely um i think it's it's probably a waste of their of their nuclear program uh yeah and by the way what i'm saying is even worse than what you're saying so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not too happy about it (laughs) wait hold my beer yeah hold my light here (laughs) i mean but but seriously but now now let's let's go back to biden and the biden obama junta and look what's going on in the middle east between the the war with 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 uh with hamas and which is an Iranian proxy, and now the Houthis, which are an Iranian proxy. And now Biden is caught in the middle of trying to retaliate without looking like he's retaliating because his friends are the mullahs. And, you know, now all of a sudden, Iran getting a bomb puts this thing in a in a whole other realm of catastrophe, because as Israel has vowed since since day one, that they will never allow Iran to get a nuclear bomb. And if they have to go to war, so far they've been doing it very successfully, stealthily, by wiping out all their scientists and key people. But now, if they're if they're just literally at the breakout point, uh, this is not good because this means some sort of a military strike, and that means what will the United States do? Is the United States going to warn the Iranians ahead of time, or are they going to help the Israelis, or what the hell are they going to do? I mean, because of the ineptness and the incompetence and the ideological madness of Calorama and Foggy Bottom, uh, the world is on is is literally uh, on a knife edge right now. CBD. I think CBD fainted. 
Did you faint, CBD? CBD. I'm here. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, come on, folks. Expect you it every, every single time. I mute myself so I drink a cup of coffee or something like that, and I forget to unmute myself. That's okay. Well, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I was saying is that Israel is being very – has been and continues to be very cagey about its own nuclear uh, weaponry. Um, obviously, Israel has, has probably a couple of hundred uh, nuclear weapons, uh, but they also have subs that uh, have the capacity to launch uh, nuclear-tipped missiles. Um, and I think that in in the worst-case scenario, if Iran launches a missile or a series of missiles um, with nuclear weapons on them and they explode over Israel or on Israel, um, I think that Iran will will suffer the consequences. But that that's an eventuality that could be so easily prevented by the United States of America. And the fact that we have we have gone in the opposite direction makes me sad that that our government has lost touch with with the morality of Judeo-Christian society, with the morality of Western culture. And they have embraced the evil of non-Western cultures that seek to destroy everything that is grand about this world. And that is what the Biden-Obama junta is pushing for, the destruction of a first world country, Israel. And the fact that they don't understand that America is next is a testament to their fanaticism and to their stupidity. It is almost the 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 fanaticism of Washington D.C. in that regard of the eggheads from Ivy League and of the Kennedy School or of Johns Hopkins School of Government. All these kind of stupid egghead, you know, think tanks that don't know jack from shit uh, about how the world they want to to run. They're almost as pig ignorant as these pig ignorant throwbacks from the eighth century who want to destroy the world in order to bring about paradise on earth with the 13th imam or the 12th imam or the uh, an imam to be named later. I mean, it just it, 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 it's crazy. It's two it's two sides of the same fucking crazy coin. And we the people of the world are caught in the middle of this of this insanity. And at any moment, I mean, anything can happen. But, I, you know, you know, you talked about Israel's uh, nuclear capability, by the way. It was Jimmy Carter fucking asshole who completely who spilled the beans he basically he he let out a secret he says israel has about 200 nuclear weapons great thank you mr carter and then during the obama years when things were ramped the tensions were ramping up i believe the israelis had a plan to to surprise attack uh rather the israelis had a surprise attack to attack iran a contingency from azerbaijan baku from the north yep. which would have been the direction that you know it would have allowed them to have the the you know the the range and the effectiveness to drop enough weapons to wipe out the facilities and guess what obama spilled the beans on them then and there goes that plan but right now thanks to mr trump i mean at least a little bit the Saudis and the Gulf Cooperation Council and the same countries in that region, relatively speaking, are now somewhat militarily aligned with Israel against their common enemy, which is Iran. So I don't think the Israelis have to worry too much about the range of their aircraft. I think the Saudis are just going to pre-base them wherever they are in the Kuwaitis and let them launch them right across the Gulf. And they don't have to worry about the range and carrying enough uh, weaponry to, to, to be effective. Well, the question is, is can Israel destroy enough of of the iranian infrastructure to to put a um to, to put a halt to to their designs and i don't know yeah. that that's the case and that's yeah. what terrifies me uh, they, yeah, they've yeah. progressed they've progressed far enough that uh i i don't know that 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 israel can do much about it 
other than you know hitting hitting the, the hitting the missiles themselves and hitting right. the launch sites themselves this has become this has become a a tactical problem that it wasn't just a few years ago and that's exactly. thanks yeah. to the democrat junta i mean it's amazing when you think back you know what it, now it's uh four short years ago uh kasim soleimani who by the way was the one of the uh, terror mastermind who was in, involved in, and planned, I think, and executed the plot of the EMEA bombing in Buenos Aires in 1994, uh, Trump took him out. And Iran was on the verge of, of finally the, the Mullahs perhaps being overthrown. And then, of course, the whole COVID crap happened, and, and that was the end of that. But they were on the ropes. China was on the ropes. The Russians were in their place. And, you know, but, but because Trump said pussy and uh, nobody liked him, uh, we, the world has to overthrow him. And, and here we are four years later. It's just it's, it's mind boggling where we were and where we are now, regardless of you know, putting, the, putting Trump's personality and other things out of out of uh, out of the picture, because it's not really relevant at that moment. But but still, it's just it's unbelievable. And I just, you know, hopefully the Israelis can, and the, and the Saudis, whoever it is, can do something to, to mitigate this, this looming disaster, because it is a looming disaster. You know, it's not going to stay, it's not going to stay, it's not going to stay localized to the Middle East because it is going to spread. And, and to make things worse, you know, Biden is, is actively undermining Israel's fight against Hamas. Um, you know, he's, he, he, apparently he said in private, just recently that uh, Netanyahu was a bad fucking guy. Well, you know something, Biden, nobody really gives a shit what you think because you're a you're a decrepit, perverted, senile old fuck. So, uh, you know, keep that shit to yourself. Yeah. Send them the weapons and they'll do the job because you certainly can't. And what you've done to our military suggests to me that we probably can't either. Yeah, that that's the real frightening thing is that we have, you know, when you look at we've talked about this with the whole diversity madness, when you look at, at Boeing airplanes falling out of the sky. And as we talked about last time, air traffic controllers who are citing Google as they're telling the pilot to, to take another thing because Google tells them that this is what it says. I, I Googled it uh, and all this kind of diversity crap and pregnancy flight suits and 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 morale and everything down in the toilet. Uh, you know, you got to wonder about the, our preparedness, you know, like our nuclear capability, are our weapons up to snuff or are, are, are the people who are, are manning them up to snuff? And it's really, really, you know, frightening. This is our deterrence. This is what we use in order to keep, generally speaking, keep people in their place and, and stay on a razor's edge. But we are just, you know, the, the worst possible moment for diversity, equity and inclusion uh, to be to be ruling the roost over at the Defense Department, where white supremacists and global warming are our chief threats. I yeah, know. I'm really worried about uh, global warming. OK, so getting back to Trump, um, obviously, he is going to be the Republican nominee. And the, the question, of course, is whether the Democrat Party and the uh, non-aligned or the let's say the socialist organizations in the United States are going to succeed in stealing the election the way they did in 2020. And to to follow up with that point, the Heartland Institute has done a an analysis of their fantastic poll that they released in December about the the huge, huge problems with mail-in ballots. And their conclusion is damning. And that is that uh, they essentially the six swings they looked at the six swing states that Biden won uh, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Um, and they found that any level of fraud almost certainly benefited Biden 
to a significantly greater degree than Trump. And they looked at it from 28.2% fraud in the mail-in ballots down to 1%. And they discovered that in every instance, except the 3%, 2%, and 1% fraud scenarios, uh, Trump would have won the Electoral College in the 2020 United States presidential election. And what this has done is proven that the 2020 election in the United States was fraudulent. You know, what's amazing about this, and, and, I, and, and we've discussed this and you know, argued it back and forth uh, between us and also with our friend Michael Walsh, is that, and I, to an extent I agree with this, is that Trump cannot run on, on, on the stolen election. He has to run on, on what's going on now, which I think is a, winning, is a winning thing. But that said, the fact that it happened is one of the most seminal and horrific events in American history. And to kind of sort of ignore it, even in, in a context, I think, of an election campaign, is kind of dangerous. And now with 2024 coming up, much of the fraud that was in place in 2020 is still in place. And so regardless of the polls that show Donald Trump, you know, you know, wiping the floor with everybody, even in the swing with Biden, even in the swing states, you can't, you know, you can't discount this stuff. And it's really, you know, you sort of caught between between a rock and a hard place in, in not wanting to, to to you know sort of sound like it's sour grapes and stolen election no that's exactly no, no no hold on one second you know. that's that's ex- say that again sour grapes that's what it sounds like every goddamn right. time donald trump talks about it it sounds like sour grapes and americans don't like losers americans don't want to listen to sour grapes they want to hear about how you're gonna fix it they want to hear about your plan to make sure it never happens again they want to hear about what you're going to do between 2025 and 2029 that's what they want to hear and if donald right. trump doesn't talk about positive things with the American people, he's going to lose again. I, I absolutely agree with you. And on, on a positive note so far, uh, he has not really been harping all that much on that crap. He's been going after Biden on his ineptness and especially, most especially, uh, and, and along with Nikki Haley and all the others on the border. That's been his issue. I think he kind of gets it right now that that is bread and butter. And that is, and in my estimation, that is the issue for this campaign. And so now that said, it behooves that the RNC and everybody else, which they'll never do it, and, and Republican governors or whoever can, to try to do their best to put the kibosh on as much of this election fraud as possible. But as I said before, you know, 2024, the landscape is much different than it was in 2020 and certainly in 2016. Too many people are aware of what's going on in the border. Too many people are pissed off at Joe Biden. And I think a lot of people who either voted for Biden either are going to switch possibly to Trump or the vast majority are going to just sit it out and say to hell with the Democrats. And this time, if there is a steal, it's got to be so freaking massive that everyone is going to see it. And I think it's just it's. What that does from the election standpoint, yeah, Trump will still be out of it. But at the same token, too many people are going to see, you know, behind the curtain and see that the that the wizard is. is uh, I, I'm you know, I'm sorry, I, I have to disagree, Sefton. Uh, it it yeah. the, the steal was not massive. It was careful. It was done in exactly the correct places, and it doesn't need to be massive in November of 2024. What it needs to do is push the swing states. A couple of percent. That's all they need, and True. that is yep. the issue. Well, here's here's a, here's something that might warm the cockles of your of your cockles or your heart or whatever you <laughs> want to warm. Um, 
there's actually talk now and 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 Democrats are absolutely freaking out about this that there are certain states which everyone assumes to be a lock that theoretically are no longer at least a lock and and potentially in play uh places like uh believe it or not New York and a bunch of other states that everybody that the Democrats never had to worry about so look at it this way if they're freaking out over this and they have to move assets to 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 you know to to defend supposedly uh you know their their rock solid places it's a good thing it's ultimately a very good thing and hopefully it Hopefully Trump will have enough to overcome what will be the cheat this time. And, you know, then, of course, there's the issue of either they're going to assassinate him or obviously the insubordination is going to be ramped up to like one hundred and twenty thousand percent. Insubordination, that's called that's called the deep state. And uh, that's one that's one of the terrible, terrifying things about, uh, let's say, Trump wins in twenty twenty five. What is he going to do? Um, between January 20th, 2025 and January 20th, 2029 to do something about that deep state. What happens when the military says no? What happens when the Department of the Interior says no? What happens when the Border Patrol, not not the rank and file, but the uh, the elite within the Border Patrol says no? Or what they do even worse is they say yes in public and they say no in private. How is he going to deal with that? I think that he is incapable of the careful administrative work needed to to minimize the the effects, the malign effects of the deep state. And that's one of the reasons why I supported DeSantis, because he's, you know, he's a policy wonk. He he understands how these how these organizations work far, far better than than does uh, Donald Trump. I think this time around and I hope this time around, as we saw when there was this sort of rumor going around, which I think it was just a rumor about Nikki Haley potentially being his VP pick, that someone, <laughs> yeah, that Don Jr. and Eric Trump both said, no fucking way. There is no way that that slag is ever going to be anywhere near our father. And I hope this bodes well to the, to the point that if, that, that if they're saying this, that Ivanka and Jared are nowhere near their father. I pray, I hope they're not. But I mean, obviously, family is family. And, and you know, it, it, Trump is a human being after all. But I hope he really does put some distance between especially those two. And we'll see with, with his pick of who his, who his VP pick is going to be. If it's someone like Tim Scott, which is, it, it's kind of a, uh, you know, meh. He's a, at best, he's a wishy-washy kind of a squish. Um, I don't know that he's a full, full-blown rhino, but, um, you know, you could, you could do better. And we talked about Byron Donalds from North Carolina, for example, who'd be outstanding. But... I think it's either going to be between Tim Scott and possibly um, there's also talk of Lee Zeldin, which, you know, I, I, yeah, you know, whatever. yeah, we talked about this last time. I'm not thrilled Lee by Lee Zeldin, and that's not a criticism of Zeldin. No, but he came he came very close to, to, to beating Hoko. And he's he is a stalwart in crime and on, on, on crime as well as the border. So that those are two very important. Look, things, I but, want Mark Robinson. He's lieutenant governor from North Carolina. I, what did I say? What did I call him? Was I, say I Mark Robinson? You, I figured you were talking about some backbencher from the. Oh, oh Byron the Donald. School. Yeah, forget. Yeah, yeah. Forget, oh, the hell that, I, I was gonna. <laughs> yeah, erase, erase, erase. Oh, fuck that schmuck. No, yeah, it Mark was, Robinson, I, lieutenant governor Mark from Robinson. North Carolina. I love so, the guy. Yeah, you know, great. I don't really, know, I don't really know his politics other than I love the guy. He's fantastic, you know and you know something? I'll, I'll bet you. First of all, uh, folks, if you don't know who Mark Robinson was, he's he came to fame. Um, doing, uh, giving a, a an impassioned, logical, rational, very impressive speech about the dangers of attacking the Second Amendment at some local, uh, like a, his his 
um, city council meeting or something like that. Anyway, he's now the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. Uh, he's a well-spoken man. Uh, he's rational and he does not pull punches. And by the way, he's black. So that I think <laughs> will bleed not bleed over into Virginia and might actually give the Republican Party an outside shot at taking Virginia if Mark Robinson is is the uh, vice presidential candidate. I think he is a fantastic choice. And if he is chosen, I want credit. You will get credit. We will give you credit where, where others have failed. Absolutely, CBD. I was going to say that's, you know, you don't know his policy. Anyone who is pro-passionately Second Amendment, no questions asked, that's an outsider. And, and he was an outsider, and he's still hopefully not uh, tainted by, by uh, you know, the government. But nah, I've read, read some of his recent uh, stuff. He's, he's not tainted. No, he's great. Some people have even said Ben Carson, who I like, and he's a great guy, but he's a little bit eh, whatever. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's too much of an academic. I need academic. I need a firebrand. We need the firebrands, absolutely. And so, as I said uh, in the beginning of this discussion, it's whoever his pick, I think, will set the tone. You know, for uh, you know, for his pop, for the people that he he surrounds himself with. But no more fucking Manukins. No more of these freaking, you know, these these people who are stabbing him in the back. He has got to look outside of Washington, D.C. as completely as possible, if it is possible, you know, to to, to staff up. And I think that is going to be where he'll be able to fight the deep state. And then he's just got to wield a terrible swift sword, come what may, and start firing people left, right, and center, regardless of what the court says, regardless of what the media says, regardless of what the Democrats say. And, you know, this is, you know, this yeah, is starting, starting with every star general in the uh, United States Armed Forces. Oh, absolutely. Every yeah. flag officer. I'm sorry. Are, are you wearing five inch heels to, to the meeting with the president? You're fired. <laughs> Vanilla Millie, our favorite. Yeah. Uh, anyway, CBD, I think uh, any other parting thoughts for this episode? No, I think we've been depressing enough today. Um, <laughs> folks, thank you very, very much for listening. Thanks for hitting the tip jar. Um, head over to uh, Ace of Spades, where I just wrote um, about the Heartland Institute. Uh, analysis. I think it's very, very interesting. And by the way, check check the headlines on the right side of the page. Um, I linked to Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs at the Grammys, and it's a it's a lovely performance of her fa- most famous song. And there's no politics. There's no sneering. Yeah. There's nothing. It's just as I wrote uh, at Ace of Spades, just two good musicians doing what they do, and that we need more of in this country. Absolutely. And the lefties heads exploded over yeah, that one. Yeah, they hated it. Ah. They hated it. Good. And by the way, speaking of the Heartland Institute, uh, your, your rant, our special guest this weekend's podcast is going to be Jim Lakely, uh, the VP of Communications from the Heartland Institute, who will be with us exclusively to discuss the findings, uh, his findings of, of this poll and uh, what it means, both from an electoral standpoint, from a high level, you know, strategically. Uh, for the country and the nation going forward. I think this is going to be one of those do not miss episodes for sure. Absolutely. So for C- yep. So for CBD, it's JJ Septon on the Cut Jib Newsletter Radio Network around the world, across the nation, and up your street. Thanks so much for the support, and we will see you again on the next one. Thanks for listening, folks. What?